go. So yeah, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Galatians together over the next little while. And, uh, and as I say, it is, does give us a view of the early church. And it's a letter of some very young Christians who started out well under Paul's uh, teaching. Paul was an evangelist that came to their area and shared the gospel with them. Uh, they started out well, but they've fallen prey to some other evangelists. They've, they've started listening to some other teachers who have started to say some, some false things, adding some things that don't belong to the gospel. And, uh, and they bring these Christians not to the freedom that comes with God's kingdom, but they're actually bringing them back to a, a, maybe a different, for them, because they were never Jews, they were Gentiles, but bringing them back to a different slavery, a slavery of religion and Jewish laws. And I think through this letter, God is revealing a variety of uh, incredible truths, but he's doing it through, uh, not like in Acts, where it's just kind of this, this historical story perspective of, of the movement of God from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. But he's taking this one perspective, and it's, and it's one very much of correction. And we're going to look today at Galatians 1, verses 1 to 10, as a launching pad to study the whole book uh, over these next weeks together. But before we do that, I want to show you a brief video clip that I think will help us to, um, to frame our study today. And it's from uh, the movie Forrest Gump. And uh, Forrest has a curvature in his spine. And because of that, he has to wear uh, braces on his legs. It's helping to, to correct that. And so he's wearing them from a very early age. And while they were helping him to grow up, they're, they're awkward. They, they slowed him down. And Forrest also received a, a lot of teasing and abuse because of his leg braces. And it doesn't mean that life was all terrible for Forrest. But it did mean that for Forrest Gump, life wasn't able to be lived as it was intended for him. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up the film. And I just have to do a quick switch over here for a video signal.
So at the urging of, uh, of his friend, Forrest begins to run. Run, Forrest, run. And he runs like the wind. Doesn't just escape the brutality of, uh, of the people that are trying to, to chase him and uh, hurt him. But yeah, actually, new opportunities begin to open up. And uh, if you follow the story, uh, Forrest gets to play college football. And Forrest gets to, to run all across America. And, and there's, there's this variety of new opportunities for him. And it's in large part because the braces have come off. He's, he's free. Forrest is free to run. Now, do you think that after Forrest begins to run, both as a youth and, and then as an adult, do you think that he would ever want to put the braces back on his legs again? I don't think any of us could convince him or any of us to, to wear that kind of a brace uh, in order to run better and run faster. Because it really sounds kind of stupid. But I know that none of us would make that kind of silly decision. So, um, but let's just say, hypothetically, that one of our friends does. So uh, a, a coach, we don't really know the coach, but the coach comes along and he's an expert. He says, you know, like the best runners in the world, they wear full leg braces all the time. So if you want to run fast, put these things on. And uh, because our friend isn't as smart as us, uh, maybe, or maybe they're just ignorant, they, they do it. They, they start moving in that direction. They start, start to buy, they're saving up their money maybe, and they're going to buy these braces. They're starting to move towards putting these things on. Now what would you say? I mean, again, it's kind of hard to imagine because it just seems so... It's kind of out there. We would never do that to run faster. It's a hindrance. Why would we put it on? But if it was our friend that was doing it, what would you do? What would you say? I think I'd first just laugh in unbelief. Like, whatever. But if, if you were to continue to put them on, and I saw that you were totally serious, if I was any friend to you, and particularly if you were a runner, that was your profession. If I was any friend to you, I would hopefully say and do whatever it would take to get you to not put those on. Because I know that your career is going to go down the toilet. Your, your ability to run is going to be restricted. I think that's pretty obvious. But, you know, and hopefully as a friend we would do that. And it might come out a little bit harsh. And from time to time it might even throw a little bit of sarcasm at you. you know? Well, you know, if you're going to if you're going to put those things on, why don't you, uh, if restricting your movement is so good, why don't you just, you know, why don't you get a full cast? You know, I broke my leg when I was, I think, in grade two, actually, at this school. And, uh, and I had to wear a cast all the way up one leg and halfway down the other. And I'd lied in bed for months and months. But, you know, so, hey, you know, if, if restricting your movement is, is so good for, you know, being fast, why don't you put on a full cast? Actually, why don't you just mummify yourself? Just wrap yourself up the whole way, you know, because if restricting movement means you're going to run fast, why don't you do that? Now, what we've seen and, and what I've been trying to say, maybe not so well, uh, I think is, uh, is similar to the issues in Galatians. Uh, the Galatians, like the rest of us, they have a curvature of the spine. Okay? They are living in opposition to God. That's what the Bible calls sin. 
and uh, they lived in certain ways that held them together. Maybe it wasn't the Jewish laws at the time, but they had certain laws and certain social things that they did that kept them together so that they could live. And Paul came, like Forrest's little friend, and he preached the good news about Jesus, about his life, his death, and his resurrection to the Galatians. And, and then like Forrest's friend, he said, Run, Galatians, run. Be free. Because the braces have come off. And they started running really well, opening to new life as they ran. But then some new coaches, some different preachers, some, uh, some people with a different message first came and they, they first kind of took a shot at Paul. They challenged Paul's authority as an apostle. And they discredited him and his teaching. And then they said, uh, just like the coach in our illustration, they were saying the Galatians had to start wearing braces again. So if you really want to be a runner, if you really want to be a Christian, here's what you got to do. You got to you got to put these on. It wasn't braces, but it was religious laws. It was okay. Here's the foods that you're supposed to eat and what you're not supposed to eat. Here's the certain days and the things that you're supposed to do in certain festivals. This is what you got to do to really be a Christian. And for the guys in the crowd, you know, everybody's got to be circumcised. I'm sorry, but that you know, if we're going to be a Christian as a male, this is what you got to do. According to these coaches, these false evangelists. And Paul has a few things to say about them, about this situation, because Paul is a true friend. <laughs> in many ways, he talks about being a, a mother and a father to these people in the gospel. And so he's, uh, he's got a few words. And so we're going to read uh, slowly together uh, through Galatians. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. If you have your Bible, you can follow. Otherwise, I will read it out uh, for each of us as we go along. So Paul begins by this. He says, Paul, an apostle, no doubting who he is, sent not from men, nor by men, but by Jesus Christ the God and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. I think Paul begins right away, he's responding to these guys that are discrediting his authority, saying, okay, let's just get a few things straight here. First thing is, I am an apostle. And just so you know, it wasn't other people that said, okay, yeah, you go and stuff like that. Actually, Jesus met me on the road to Damascus. He revealed himself to me, and he gave me this gospel message that I've shared with you. And then he's, and he's not afraid to say it. Uh, but the intriguing thing here is that he says, and all the brothers with me. I think it's actually brothers and sisters. Basically he's saying, okay, I've got some things to say to you, and I've got the full weight of God behind me. But, the brothers and sisters are also writing this to you. And I think that's important because, uh, as we've been saying together for some time now, um, as we're desiring to hear the voice of God and to have special revelation in a sense that is appropriate to us through dreams and visions, maybe a word of knowledge and things like that, Paul is very sure that he's met Christ on the road and he's not afraid to say that. But he also backs himself up with a sense of this community that's behind him. And I think that's, that's noteworthy because I think we, we all need to recognize our own frailty, uh, that we have a curvature of the spine, and, you know, to use the allusion to Forrest Gump, we have sin in our lives. And it, unfortunately, it still runs down the very heart of who we are. Uh, 
Christ is making us more and more like himself and so sin is becoming less and less in our lives and less dominant and less directive but it's still there and so we need each other as we, uh, as we seek to listen to Jesus and then Paul says this he says grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever Paul's going to outline what the gospel is throughout this letter, and he's going to defend it very strongly in just a minute. But I think even in this very short greeting, and it is very, it's a very, you know, it's just short, it's been kind of cut off. If you compare this letter to some of Paul's other letters, he has lots of really nice things to say, and he's, he's building them up, and he's praising God, and stuff like that. This one's pretty short, but he does give us uh, two things. He says, grace... And peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's grace is the the heart of the gospel. It's God forgiving us of our sins, past, present, and future. When we believe the message of that Jesus was crucified and that He rose again, and He's give, He says a word of peace that we are not at war anymore in our relationship with God, with each other, and with creation. Rather. God has brought us into a relationship of peace. The war is over. We, we can come into a loving relationship with him, sons, daughters of the living God. And then come the big guns. In verses uh, 6 to 9, he says this. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, that's Paul and, and the people behind him, around him, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we've already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. I think a loose translation, and this is probably pretty loose, but I think it's kind of the emphasis of what Paul's saying is that they can go to hell. That's pretty tough, tough stuff. It's not the stuff that we like necessarily to hear ourselves. I can't believe it. I'll read a few other things that he says. He says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Look, before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. So I'd like just to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Come on, are you so foolish? I mean, it's just like you're putting the braces back on. This is stupid. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human means? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you a spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And he says this, a little bit later on, he says, it's, You were running a good race. He says, Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? He says, That kind of persuasion does not come from the one that is Jesus, from the one who calls you. You were running a good race. Why the heck did you put the braces back on? 
and so quickly. But I think, you know, we have to be gracious with the Galatians to some extent in that they were new believers. And these people came in with seeming lots of authority. Maybe they actually came from the church in Jerusalem. And they were kind of, weren't liking what was necessarily being said and done there, but they, so they just wanted to share their message, their, their gospel, as it were. And it sounded pretty good because you're new, right? You don't know. Well, Jesus was a Jew, so, you know, it kind of makes sense. Uh, you know, Abraham, you know, he received circumcision, so why, why shouldn't I do that? And you begin to kind of go down a road, and Paul's saying, no, 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 time out, we've got to stop it right now. Don't be adding anything to Jesus crucified and risen. That is the heart of the gospel. Anything, when you start adding other things to kind of measure up as a Christian, it isn't a gospel anymore. You're actually going back into slavery. And so Paul, as a true friend, steps in, brings a strong word of correction and a wake-up call to them. And he does, and he does this because, um, you know, it's not just a belief system. It's just not another religion. You're not just kind of giving one religion up for another or one set of beliefs for another. You're actually you're denying a person and you're denying that person's authority. The person, of course, is Jesus. And his authority is, is seen through the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to bore you or anything like that with some of my schooling stuff, but I... I thought this was noteworthy, so I'm going to share it with you, okay? Because <laughs> I'm not a big Greek scholar or anything like that. But the word that's used for gospel in the Greek is, is evangel, or is translated as evangel. And it's not a religious word. It's actually a word that was commonly used in the marketplace of the day. And it was used of a messenger running or riding across the hills, and he was coming to a place of battle, entering that city, and declaring victory over a city. And the messenger appears and he raises his right hand and he says in a loud voice, Rejoice, we have won the victory. And because of that victory, a new age begins. It's a new time, a new era for the people living in that city. And some of us were at uh, a Graham Cook conference uh, last February, I think it was, February or March. And I believe it was he that, that pointed out this this difference, there's two types of time. There's a chronos, which is kind of the clock time, the time that we measure, the time that maybe we put on calendars and that kind of thing. And then there's kairos time. It's, it's opportunity time. It's God's time, a unique time for God to act in a new way. And Jesus, when he comes and begins to share the gospel, he says, the time has come. It's Kairos time. It's something new is happening. Paul says the same thing in Galatians chapter 4. He says this, chapter 4 verse 4, he says, But when the time, the Kairos time, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to what? To keep them under the law? So he says this, he says, Jesus was born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. The gospel of Jesus says it's time for a regime change. And uh, Tish was reading from the gospel this morning. 
Jesus was talking about, he was being challenged again by religious rules, right? It was about fasting this time. So it's kind of similar to what's going on in Galatia. And the Pharisees are saying, well, look, everybody else is fasting. Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus refers to himself as what? As the bridegroom. And I think this is what Jesus was getting at when he talks about the bridegroom, is that it's a new time. Because in first century Palestine, wedding feasts were a joyous occasion, and we've probably heard this, and, and they last for a week. It's a week-long party. That's not a bad party. <laughs> and, uh, and it was so important, and it was such a good time, that actually the religious teachers of the day, this is what they said. They said, you know what, if you are attending to the bridegroom, if, if you're responsible for taking care of him, all religious stuff is off. Party on. That's a loose translation of that particular rule. <laughs> but, uh, but that's what it was. They said, you know, all religious, uh, religious observances, they're done. You, just, you take care of the bridegroom, you party. And Jesus is saying, that's, this is the time that is now. There will be a time when my disciples will fast, but now is the time for change. And I think he's picking up on that same thing with the new wine and the new wineskins. You can't add Jesus, a new piece of cloth, to an old piece of cloth. It's going to tear. And both of them are going to be ruined. And similarly with the new wine and the new wineskins. You have to put it in there. If you put it in old stuff, it's just it's going to ferment and it's going to stretch that inflexible, dry, old wineskin and it's going to burst. And I think this is interesting is that, you know, you do need wineskins. So Jesus isn't saying you don't have any kind of religious form or you don't have, you know, you don't have some kind of structure in your life. If <laughs> Otherwise, you're pouring what wine into the ground. It's, you know, you needed to put it in but it needs to be the right one for the right time that can take what Jesus is doing now. And I think for us, you know, if the wine is going to be ruined by putting it into the wrong wineskins, what's going to be ruined for us if we start adding things to Jesus' gospel? If we start adding things that we have to do in order to measure up and be in relationship with God? I think these are the two things that came to me anyways this week. One is that it's going to ruin the free and loving relationship God desires us to have with him and the people around us and his creation. This is what uh, Paul says. He says, You are all sons of God or children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself in Christ. And he says in 4 verse 9, he says, but now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Moving from being a member of the family with all the rights and the responsibilities of that to becoming a slave. And he says later on, he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Free to serve one another in love. And I think the other thing that gets lost, so not only our own relationship with God, but the new community that God wants to build, uh, gets taken away. Um, I hadn't really thought of this, but somebody made me aware of it, that you know, when Jesus took his band of disciples together, uh, we have two, two of the guys in the, in, in the group, are Matthew the tax collector, working for the Romans, and then Simon the zealot, the guy that wants to kill all the Romans. So, 
You know, serve the Romans, want to kill the Romans. And Jesus brings Matthew and Simon uh, together. You know, in any other company, Simon would have a knife and he'd just want to take it to Matthew. It's kind of like, a, I think, um, what would it be like today? A US, U.S. government worker hanging out uh, with a Taliban guy. Do you think they would get along very well? Well, I think we know what would probably happen. But with Jesus at the center and Jesus forming a new community, suddenly they're they are friends, they're fellow disciples. And Paul says this in Galatians 3.20. He says, there's neither Jew nor Greek. It's not about ethnicity. It's not about slave or free, whether you're uh, really well off economically or not. It's not about whether you're a, a male or a female. He says, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think these are these couple of the reasons why Paul is getting pretty upset. Because our own relationship with God is taken away and our relationships with one another start to get hierarchical. They start to, oh, you know, um, you're this, and but you're only that. Um, you know, male, female, uh, you know, they can't be all equal in Christ, can they? And we start measuring one another. And uh, Paul at one point says, you know what, if you keep on doing that, keep buying... And devouring one another, you're going to destroy each other. So he wants to protect that. He doesn't want them to go down that road. And then finally, um, I'm going to turn just to verse 10, the last of our verses for today. Paul says, uh, Galatians 1.10, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I, would, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Jesus said at one point, nobody can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Another time he says, if you love me, you will obey what I, that's Jesus' command. And we're now trying to win the approval of men or of God. Um, I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we have to wrestle with this uh, a lot. Uh, I'll confess that I do, anyways. Um, and I find, at least as part of this picture, what goes on in me in terms of, uh, you know, am I listening to somebody and, and kind of doing what they want to do, or am I following Jesus and doing what he wants me to do? I find this tension at work. Um, on the one hand, those closest to me know me very well. And those closest to me all actually have a relationship with Jesus as well. And so they have a lot of insight into who I am and, and the reason why I make the decisions that I do. And I would like to say for myself that every decision that I make is motivated by Jesus and, <laughs> you know, ultra pure motives. But all of you know that's not true and <laughs> can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> but... Right? So, so I, I need others to speak into my life. I need to be humble and take the good that, that you share with me. And maybe even I, if I don't feel like it's good at the time. But on the other hand, I know those closest to me very well. <laughs> and even though they have the spirit of Christ in them, they have the curvature of the spine. They have sin. And because I'm really close to some people, I know their frailties and their weaknesses pretty well. <laughs> right? Isn't that the way it goes? It's a, it's a two-edged sword, isn't it? Right? 
They know me really well because we're close, but I also know them and their feelings. And so I kind of think I've got things figured out for them especially. I kind of know God's will for their life really well. Uh, and I think I know what their motivations are when they're telling me what they believe I should be doing. <laughs> That's the pull all the time. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all experience that. And... Uh, and I think the best we can do is, is admit it and uh, continue to seek both God and to humbly seek uh, the instruction or the input uh, of others. Not, and then, you know, there will become a time where we have to make a decision for ourselves. And so we don't want to be constantly wavering and pulled back and forth. But seeking God and seeking the best of the wisdom of others, I think, will lead us to making good decisions. Uh, one person has said, those who seek to please God only become invincible from within. There's nothing that can take them down, as it were. And those who stop striving to please other people are unintimidated from without. And there's a, there's a beauty in that. Uh, I would like to be more of that kind of person, actually. Um, hopefully to remain humble to, to hear from each of you as you speak into my life. Uh, but not be so, and it's not necessarily that you guys push me so much, but maybe some of the other demands that I have on my life, or even things that people don't, I don't know if this happens for you guys, but it's actually stuff that people aren't actually putting it on me, but you start to think it in your own head, and you think that's what everybody else wants you to do. It's, it's not actually coming from somewhere else. It's, it's coming, in a sense, from within. Maybe that's not quite right. It's coming from somewhere else, but it's not coming from the kingdom of God. And it's not coming from our friends. So then it's only got to come from one place, and it's from the pit of hell. <laughs> okay? That's one of my struggles anyways. So I just want to finish with this. Um, what is being ruined today? Uh, how do we put ourselves back in chains? Or I, I think pleasing others is one of those things. Um, I'll give one example of, um, of something that for me, uh, one more slide there. Um, was it was a discussion with somebody a few years ago, and uh, and this person is not here, so um, <laughs> because I'm going to be talking about dancing and stuff like that, I just have to make that clear because I love our dance teams and uh, and the way that they lead us into worship. But I was just discussing with somebody who was really excited to see some new people getting up, uh, dancing and waving the flags in worship, which is great. They love the freedom. And then they, and we were in a meeting and they said, you know what we should do? We should get everybody to stand up, wave flags and dance. And now just pause for a moment there. I know the heart of this individual and the heart of the individual was to see everybody to be free before their God and to not have to worry about one another. But when this individual put it in those terms, you know what we have to do? We have to, get, we have to make everybody get up, pick up a flag, and dance around the church. Suddenly, the freedom that he is celebrating has become a law. Right? We're going to make everybody be free. <laughs> that doesn't work. Right? I, and it's just subtle, and we know it comes out of a, a beautiful heart for worship. But it becomes a new law. It starts to take away the freedom that we actually have in Christ. So I, sometimes we, I have a question for you at the beginning of the service I'd like you to discuss. I'd actually like you to discuss this just for a few minutes before we wrap up. 
what are some of the things, maybe for you as an individual, or that can happen for us as a body, uh, that cause the wineskins to burst, that we lose everything? What are the things that shackle us, that, um, that are a new law, that actually put us into slavery again? And uh, just so take a few minutes and uh, chat about that amongst yourselves, and uh, I'll wrap up in a second. Okay? Everybody go? Okay.
Hey, uh, one more minute. As you've been, um, as you guys have been chatting, I'm just trying to think how to wrap up here, and, and uh, I think I'll try uh, try two things. Uh, I encourage you to to read Galatians over the next little while. Um, I think it's 20, 25 minutes is what it takes to to read through. Uh, so it's uh, and you can so you can some people have said, hey, do it every day, but even if you do it once or twice in, in the week. Uh, that'd be good over the next little while because we're going to try to dive into it. But I'm going to try to summarize what, for Paul, was uh, the gospel. And uh, uh, obviously there's going to be more to it than this. But it, these are some of the key things, I think. He says, um, when he's talking to the foolish Galatians and saying, who has bewitched you, he says, before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. Okay, so we, we already talked about that. And then he says, after beginning with the Spirit, which they had received, are you now trying to, to go in a different direction? So 
They believe Jesus is crucified and risen again. And they receive the Spirit. And the Spirit, he says, is given and we become sons of God through faith in Christ. And with the Spirit in us, because we are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Daddy, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So now you are free. You are free as a son. And it, that's what he says, right? He says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what is that freedom for? He says it's freedom to love. He says, the entire, he says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And when we do that, Paul says, um, we're keeping in step with his spirit. And uh, I always like the picture of, 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 a, you know, of, of a duel and a dance, right? And so if uh, the spirit is the lead, we just kind of follow, but we do the little dance step. And the dance step is always towards freedom, and the freedom to be able to love uh, one another as Christ has loved us. I think, in a nutshell, that's the gospel. There's certainly more in Paul's letter, and there's certainly actually more to the gospel, I think, than that. We could go on for days and days, but I think what, what Paul's going to do in here is he's going to say, you know, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision or anything. What's important is new creation. And you are a new creation because of what Jesus has done in you. So let's recognize that in each other. Let's always celebrate it together as a community. And, uh, and let's defend it. Even if we have to say a few naughty words from time to time to, uh, to wake one another up. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship. And I think there's going to be a few people from our prayer teams that will be just off to the side as well. And I think... You know, if if God is speaking to you in particular about um, things that are holding you back, the the shackles, maybe the you know, the the braces that you were running a good race, but now you're starting to slow down, and uh, and you recognize that for yourself, just bring it to Jesus uh, through uh, sharing that with a brother or sister from our church. But uh, let me pray for us before we do that. Jesus, we thank you that. Uh, you have, that you lived, you died, and you rose again on high, as we sang earlier in this service, that um, you came into a very broken world and into, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, our broken lives. And you picked us up. Uh, you made us new again, a new creation. And uh, you took us as people who were uh, at war, essentially, against you and and brought us into a relationship with you as sons and daughters. And, uh, and we celebrate that together. We're, we're all in the same boat. We all come to you uh, needing the cross. And we desire to, to walk through the cross as a door into the, the eternal life that you have for us, not just in heaven when everything wraps up, but uh, here and now, that we would uh, know your kingdom presence in our lives and through our lives, uh, in the lives of other people. Uh, that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven for us and for those around us. And so help us to hold fast to that which is true and help us to grow in discernment because of our sensitivity to your spirit and our knowledge of your word, that we would be able to discern what is 
as stuff that people are putting on me or maybe stuff that's coming directly from the pit of hell that that um, is a pressure to say this is what you have to be that we would be able to rid ourselves of those things and uh, and live freely uh, in what you have for us because we know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light we thank you for that this morning help us to enter into that freedom we pray Amen Let's stand together as we sing. And, and I do encourage you, if you like some prayer, there will be people uh, loving.